tonight, we're actually going to start reading over in the middle of the uh, teaching that Jesus gave us. And we're going to start with verse 13, and we're going to get right into the uh, explanation that Jesus gave of what the parable of the sower was about. Verse 13, And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Father, we thank you for your precious word tonight. We ask, Lord, that you would give utterance in the Holy Ghost, that we would hear you speak to us more than a voice of a man that we would hear from heaven tonight, Lord. And I thank you for giving us ears to hear, and we honor you, Lord, by listening for your voice. We honor you by paying heed to your word, and Lord, we covenant to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. In this parable, the sower is a constant. God is the sower, whether he uses individuals to bring us a word, or whether it's through the written word, or whether it's something that he truly speaks into your spirit. The sower is ultimately God, and he's constant. We know the seed's constant. The word never changes. It's the same, just like Jesus is. The living word, so is the written word. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The season for growing is constant. In the kingdom, it's always a good time to plant. Amen? Amen? It's always a season in the kingdom of God for things to be grown from our seeds that we plant. The only variable in the parable is the soil that the seed falls on. That's the only variable that's in this this parable. And of course, the soil represents the human heart. And so the variable is you and me. Not God, not the seed, not the season, but you and me. Now, the Word of God is the seed. There's nothing ever wrong with it. And God actually created seed and told man about it in the early days and the dawn of human history. In the book of Genesis, he told man about seed. And of course, he created it to produce or reproduce, rather, after its own kind. Seed is living, but it will not produce until it gets into the soil. 
So the living word of God, as powerful as it is, will not work for you until it is received into the soil of your heart and is allowed to grow. And there's a seed for every godly harvest. Everything that you can see in the word that brings uh, your imagination to light, that you're, you're allowed to understand that this is the will of God for me, whatever it may be, there is a seed that will produce that for you. Amen? But uh, we have to get that seed into the ground of our spirit. And of course, the Word of God is a living Word. The power of the events described in the Word is in the proclamation of the Word. That's why Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Just the message of the gospel brings the power of the events, the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It brings that power into the here and the now and into our lives individually. The, the power of the event is actually in the words that describe it from the Bible. It's a living word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the word will produce in us whatever it says. Now the human heart, like this natural soil that's in the earth that we understand, has the nature about it. The characteristic of the soil is that it will always receive seed and immediately go to work to grow the seed. The soil never asks who are you that's sowing the seed? Never. That's why it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, what color your skin is. It doesn't matter where your background is, where you came from, what part of the earth you're in. If there's soil uh, that, uh, that is there, then the potential for growth is there. The soil will do its job. Now, your heart is that way. It will grow whatever you put in it. Some people put a lot of junk in their hearts. And of course, Jesus told us how to know what's growing in the human heart when he said that, that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can always tell what kind of seed that's being put into somebody by what fruit is coming out of them. Not only their words, but over time, over that growing season, it will begin to produce fruit that's tangible. You will see circumstances and situations in their life that reflect the seed that they're planting. And so this becomes very, very important to us. And um, like the soil and the natural always goes to work to grow something from the seed, our heart goes to work to cause the seed to sprout, to grow and reproduce in a multiplied harvest. That's the good thing about seed. God created it that it doesn't just produce one to one. But it's always multiplication. And it's, it's such a powerful thing. And of course the more you sow, the bigger the harvest. We learned that Sunday from Paul's teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapters 8 and 9. And so it's not God that determines what kind of soil we are. And it isn't God who determines how great our harvests are. It's us. I determine what kind of soil I am by my decisions as to how I approach and how I receive and how I work with the Word of God in my life. And I determine 
the scope of my harvest, the size of my harvest, by what I'm willing to sow into my life. Now, if you want to have a little bit of a test to see a little bit of a progress report about your life and where it's going, you, you might, not in a critical way and not to be argumentative with anybody, but you might just be, just quietly take notice of people that you might be around and the things they say, the plans they make, when they express themselves and their true feelings come out because, as I said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you just judge yourself what you say, what you believe, and what you're expecting compared with those other folks. And what you're going to find, maybe not necessarily here in church because we're all, you know, we're on the same page here. But what you're going to find out there, probably in the workplace, you may even find it uh, when you gather with uh, certain family members. You, you might hear this in the neighborhood or you might hear people talking in a grocery store or wherever. And what you're going to find is what they're believing and the seed they're sowing is causing them to have their expectations and their harvests. And hopefully, for you and me, our harvest is different than what the world is saying. Hopefully, uh, when you and I speak our faith, uh, it is strong enough until people would take notice. And hopefully also, when you hear doubt, when you hear fear, and when you hear unbelief in the world, that to you sounds like a foreign language. Sometimes I hear people say things and I just kind of cringe on the inside. I just think, there's no way I would say that. That's not a part of my conversation. That's not a part of my expectation. That's not faith. That's fear. That's unbelief. And I'm not going to have it. Amen. So we determine what kind of soil we are. And that determines what and how much of a harvest will come forth. And we made this note last week. It's worth repeating again today. And in this parable that Jesus gave us, there were four kinds of soil. Only one of the four produced anything of a harvest. So about one in four, about 25% of people who hear the word, people that you witness to, people that you speak to, about one in four you can expect that could really take hold of it and it changed their life. Now, hopefully some of those other people will get hold of some truth and be coached uh, spiritually, and they can also become one of the good soil people, you know. But the point is, don't get discouraged when everybody doesn't agree with you. Don't get discouraged when everybody doesn't get excited about what you get excited about. Don't get discouraged when they think you're crazy for tithing and giving and, and praising and speaking in tongues and, and believing God for miracles and healings and all those other things. Don't, don't be discouraged by that. Jesus told us that not everybody is going to take the word, believe it, and receive and have a harvest. So we know this parable is first and foremost about the initial salvation message. That's the initial seed. I understand that's the context is people hearing the gospel and what they do with the gospel message. But we also know that God doesn't stop speaking to us when you get saved. Wouldn't that be sad if God brought you the gospel and you believe the gospel, you got born again, you got baptized in water, and, and you made a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ, and God says, well, I'll see you in 50 years. You're on your own. Hope you make it. No, he doesn't do that. He's still speaking to us. All the epistles, for instance, to the church, 
in the New Testament. All those books are books for Christians. Unsaved people don't get that. They, 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 they don't read the book of Ephesians and see what you see. You have to be a Christian to see those kinds of truths. The world needs to hear the simple gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But once you're born again, you've already settled that issue. God wants to take you on into the school of faith, into the school of love, into the school of joy, into the school of the miraculous. He wants to take you on and teach you more and more and more. So this parable obviously is first and foremost about the salvation message, but God's words don't stop there. He certainly speaks to his children through the word. And if you are constantly opening the word, then God is constantly speaking to you. Amen. Amen. And so um, uh, all of the word is incorruptible seed, 1 Peter 1.23. And so it is, uh, Paul said all the, uh, you know, the, the word is profitable and uh, for instruction and so on and so forth. So be a man or a woman of the word. And your life will change. Now, Satan's strategies to keep the word from producing in our lives the desired harvest that we want and that God wants basically are the same whether it's the first time we hear the word or whether it's the 1,000th time we've heard a message. And so that's why this parable is so important because these simple truths of how you can miss the harvest are the same truths that work for you no matter what word you've heard and are standing on. If you're believing for God, for God to provide for you to meet the needs of your family or if you're believing for healing in your body, if you're believing for peace of mind, if you're believing for a job, if you're, whatever you're believing for, when you go to the scriptures and you find what God has said, then you can know that this template, if you will, that is given to us by Jesus is what's going to be there in every revelation that you ever get from God. The devil doesn't have anything new. He's not creative. He's an imitator, not a creator. And he's going to always come around with the same stuff. Now, he might put a little twist on it differently for one person or another. There might be different people, obviously, involved. Maybe some different circumstances. But it all boils down to the same thing. And here's what we want to say tonight. If there is no harvest, the problem isn't with the sower of the seed. It's with the soil. It's with us. However, I'll grant you this even though it's not an excuse for not receiving from the Lord. But uh, I will say this for you as well, that Satan and his schemes are behind all the hindrances to your harvest. Don't get mad at the preacher, please. Uh, don't get mad at your spouse. Don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at the Word. Don't get mad at the church. Satan is the one who's trying to keep you from having a harvest. But in the end, it is up to us whether or not the word produces in our life. Now you can blame anybody you want to blame. You can fuss at anybody you want to fuss at, of course. But it won't be legitimate. If we don't have a harvest, it's the person you look at in the mirror that you need to make some adjustments in. Now that's hard, 
I know that's pretty blunt. And because we teach and preach these things, that's why there's not more people here even. There's a lot of people that want no-fault Christianity. You know, some of you have heard of no-fault insurance. Years ago when we moved from Kentucky to here, Kentucky at that time, I don't know if they do now or not, but they had no-fault insurance. We moved to Virginia, and it was amazing how much less our insurance costed. Because no-fault means... It's nobody's fault. We all just, we all pay for it, you know. Uh, you know, kind of like communist insurance. <laughs> well, the thing that you got to know is that a lot of people, they want that at church. They, they want to be able to, to, whatever happens, to ultimately blame it on God. No pressure to me. Not my fault. I don't know why God's doing this or why he didn't do something. Uh, we'll just, uh, you know, and then, then you can always revert to a good old song. We'll understand it better by and by. You know, and uh, that's the way a lot of people, that's the way they live. That's their thinking. But that's not a way to success. That's not a way to miracles. That's not a way to a powerful, productive prayer life. We have to assume some responsibility. After all, God is the sower. And after all, he gave us a living, perfect seed. He's done everything necessary. If we're not getting a harvest, there must be something that I'm missing. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this parable. That's why this is such a key, foundational parable in all the Word of God. Because here we have it very simply and um, I want to I look at it just a little bit tonight. Oh, my goodness, I'm running out of time. You know, <laughs> we, may, we may have another session. That's uh, all right. Uh, I, just, I really want to follow the Holy Ghost because this will change your life. If you can get past, you know, getting your feelings hurt or whatever, if you can get past all the, the noise that the devil tries to make, and you can just take the, the Word of God as it is, it will change your life. So the first strategy of the devil that we see here is to make you or me into wayside, hard, non-productive soil. The sower in the old uh, days, in these days, 2,000 years ago, they sowed by hand. They broadcast their seed. The sower would have a bag over his shoulder uh, and, and he would reach down in that bag with his hand and he would get a handful of seed and he would throw it out over the ground. And inevitably, the seed would uh, fall on some places that were not ideal because this, is not a, this wasn't a precise science. And, um, and so he would throw the seed out and sometimes, you know, uh, the wind could come along and, and move the seed to a place where it's not going to produce. And that first place is the place that's called the wayside. It's the place where people walked. It was hard ground. And when it wasn't wet, it would be very hard and very brittle. Uh, and there's no way that these tender, fertile seeds, as good as they are, are ever going to produce anything there. And one of the things that happens is the seed just lays on top of the ground, just lying there. And so you know what happens? 
the birds come and they take it away. It's an easy meal for the birds. If you want to attract birds, throw out seeds. And uh, we've known that for thousands of years. And so this kind of soil is a type that keeps the seed vulnerable. It doesn't take it in. It keeps the seed vulnerable, which means it's easy to take away from us. Because what's happening is the seed gets taken before the growth process begins. There's no production here at all. There's not a sprout. There's not a sapling. Nothing. It doesn't ever get started. Now, when uh, Matthew recorded this parable in Matthew chapter 13, in verse 19, he likened this to this. He said, when anyone heareth the word and understandeth it not. And that's very important because one of the key strategies of the devil is to cause you to misunderstand what you hear. To sow confusion into your life. And many times he does that through various voices, opinions, people that talk but don't necessarily know what they're talking about. You know, Satan will use people even if they don't know it. He'll use even well-meaning people to refute and to deny the word and to confuse the issue. You don't have to go any further than your smartphone to find somebody that will tell you why you can't be healed, why that it is not right to believe God for a return on the seed you sow, why that you don't need and shouldn't tithe, why it's okay to be sexually immoral, but it's going to all be okay too. I mean, you can hear just about anything you want to hear. Just whip out your, your, your smartphone and you can find somebody to tell you a load of hooey. <laughs> Amen. And some of these people are well-meaning. I've heard some of these folks I'm, that I, I'm convinced in my mind that they're well-meaning. They really believe that preachers like me are a threat to the gospel. Because we preach that, ooh, prosperity message. We preach, ooh, faith and confession. Because we preach and we practice, ooh, speaking in tongues. They honestly think that, you know, it's almost like with the, somebody like me, it's almost like the devil incarnate. But <laughs> the fact is, a lot of times people, they just have not heard enough truth to really know what somebody like me is even saying. And then other people just reject it. You know, there's lots of reasons why people don't receive the word of God. And some even well-meaning people come along and the devil will use them to try to refute and to deny the word of God. In other words, to take the seed from your heart. And so Jesus said the fowls of the air come. So uh, 
could we call those folks buzzards? I think that's not good. That's not charitable. But, uh, but they are like one of those birds that come to just take the seed away. Fellow Christian, I'm not saying that, that all these folks aren't saved, but, but uh, sometimes people just don't know. So that means that it's really important that you and I open our Bibles and that we uh, read and study for ourselves. And remember when you open your Bible to ask the Holy Spirit to help you because he breathed this word through the various human authors that God used. And he knows exactly what each verse means and each phrase means and each word means. And so he can help you with that. Don't take my word just because you maybe like me or respect me. I appreciate that. But, but you always go to your Bible. And you prove it for yourself. Don't believe it and put it into practice until you are sure it's the word of God. So uh, sometimes that will happen. That's the way that Satan comes immediately to take the word. Now there's another thing that we have been bombarded with in the last three years. And that's what Paul called in 1 Timothy 6.20, the opposition of science, falsely so called. It's all right to say amen. They're not going to come and get you and take you away. You're not going to jail tomorrow. We've been bombarded with all this so-called science. And it's ruined a lot of people's lives. It's ruined churches. Shut them down basically. And all kinds of things like that. You've got to understand that there will always be voices that sound authoritative. That seem so sure of themselves. And then, perhaps months or even maybe some years later, you find out it was a lie. It wasn't the truth. 2,000 years ago, the church was dealing with the so-called science of their day that Paul said was called science falsely. He didn't say all science was bad, but there is a whole false version of it. And when people for greed... Or power's sake, use a pseudoscience to control a population of people and to do it with fear and intimidation that is not godly. Amen. That is not godly. And so that's one of the ways, though, the devil comes immediately to steal the word. And you do remember John 10 10, Jesus said he's a thief. You know, if you know somebody's a thief and you leave your money laying around and tomorrow morning the money's gone and the thief's gone, they shouldn't have done that, but you know, you shouldn't have left it out either if you know it's a thief. Well, if you know the devil's a thief, you need to be careful when these voices come to you that are not just quite right sounding or they just, they're, they're, they're just tinged with that fear to, of control over your life, you need to say, well, is this the devil? And again, just like theologically the devil will use well-meaning people, I'm sure that even scientifically he has used well-meaning people. Now, Satan will always question the truth or the true meaning of Scripture. Always. That's his first line of defense. That's the first thing. Get that seed up before it even begins to sprout. Satan will question the truth or the true meaning of Scripture. And he may do this two ways. By directly attacking your mind. 
And number two, by using someone else to do it. Genesis 3.1 is one of the best illustrations of this you'll find in all the Bible. Whenever that Satan came to Eve and he said, Hath God said? You know, he didn't say, well, I know God said it and I know it's true. No, he said, Hath God said? In other words, are you sure? Are you sure that's what he meant? Or you could also perhaps think, are you sure he's telling you the truth? That's the way Satan operates. You might say, well, you know, I'm not in the Garden of Eden and I'm not looking at the tree of good and uh, the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, no, but you're looking at the living word of God that says with his stripes you were healed. I can promise you the devil in some form or another is going to come around to you and say, is that really what God said? Is that really what God meant? And if he did say it and he did mean it, is he really going to do it? Those are the things that the devil brings to us to try to steal the word. Another one on this list is Satan will use in our day and time. I'm sure he's done it throughout history in various ways that people have tried to communicate information. Satan will use the media of the day to try to take the word from you. Because you've got to understand that for the most part, the modern media reflects the current cultural mindset. And I'm talking about all of them. No matter what outlet. There, some may be better than others. Some may be more truthful than others. But the fact is, modern media, by and large, reflects the current cultural mindset. And so that begs the question, who are you listening to? Are you letting them plant seed into your soil? Because you see in this parable, we're not going to get to it tonight, sorry, by the way. But uh, of course you may not be sorry because it's almost time to go home and have a ham sandwich. But anyway, um, but you're going to find that, that there are weeds that choke the word. And so that would mean that there are seeds that are non-productive. Well, they don't come from God. And so, so we need to be careful of the media we expose ourselves to. You know, when I was growing up in ancient times, uh, you know, we had three television channels and a black and white TV. And you had ABC, NBC, and CBS. I mean, I was a big old kid before we even had PBS. And uh, Brother Cooper mentioned yesterday in prayer school, uh, you know, they'd shut it down at midnight. Dun, 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 dun. The flag was going to... Is anybody old enough to remember that? And if you got up at 3 o'clock in the morning and turned on your TV, there was nothing to watch. There's nothing there. Well, nowadays, it's 24-7. It's 24-7. If you, if you want to, I don't recommend this, but if you want to, you can wake up at 3 in the morning and you can check all the news. See what's happened since you went to bed at 10 o'clock or 11 or whatever. I mean, you can constantly feel your... And many people do. And media is more than so-called news. You know, there, there are people who live 
in front of a television set, and there are other people who live in front of a small screen. And we have to be careful what we're looking at and what we're listening to because that is a source of seed planted into our lives. Where does your information come from? And then we're going to close with this, and I'm sure you can count. This is only the first one. We've got three more to go. But uh, uh, I'm really trying to, you know, to be faster. But I, I, I just sense the Holy Spirit's slowing us down to cover some things. Because I think we, we all need this. We need reminded of this. I want to give you this last one. And this is not a, an exhaustive list. This is not the only way Satan comes immediately to steal the word. But this is important. Satan manipulates circumstances. He is called in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And that's an important verse. If you're a note taker, you ought to note that. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls Satan the God of this world. It's a little g. He's not God Almighty, but he is a Lord or ruler of this world we're in today. Adam sold out, gave him that authority. It'll run out. It'll come to an end. But right now, the mess the world is in is because the devil is the God, little g, of this world. And so, because he is the God of this world, he can, to a degree, manipulate circumstances. And of course, one of the greatest tricks he pulls, and I'm sure he must really get a kick out of this one, is when he manipulates circumstances in order to steal from people and to kill and to destroy and then stands back and laughs when they with their religious eyeglasses on think it's God who's done it to them I mean even in, in the, the uh, official world of business and finance your insurance policies will have clauses about an act of God God gets blamed for every killer storm, every earthquake, and every kind of pestilence that comes along. And I'm telling you, the devil likes it that way because that creates a really, really big problem for people to accept a God that they think is trying to kill them. Or a God that they think is holding them in poverty. Or any of those other parts of the curse that you can, you can imagine. And the reason people don't know this is because they've never heard this. Because most people in our world do not go to church regularly. And they're not reading their Bible. And they're not searching YouTube for preachers to preach truth to them. They're all engrossed and involved in the whole structure and way and fashion of the world we're living in. And there's, there's entire groups of people uh, and, and certain age demographics that they would know more about the Kardashians than they know about Christ. And there are people who know more about um, schemes for making money than they know about tithes and offerings. And you see, all of this is... The, the work of the devil to steal the word from people because the devil knows that the incorruptible seed of the word of God, when it's allowed to grow and it comes to a harvest, it will change your life. It'll change your life. Just what Glenna was testifying tonight about, 
you know, I can say amen because I'm there. I'm a part of that testimony. And I can tell you it is far and away too late for the devil to talk me out of this. I've had too many harvests. But the person who's never yet had a significant harvest, because somehow or another the devil has kept that seed from producing in their life, well, they're very vulnerable. And that's part of the job of the church is to teach and preach the word to the vulnerable so that they can learn the truth and they can have what God wants them to have. So Satan will try to manipulate circumstances because he is the God of this world. But we also know in the same fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians that we are, as believers, we are to look at those things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal. The circumstances of life are subject to change. They will change. But that which is eternal, which includes the good seed of the word of God, it's unchangeable. And it will produce today exactly what it produced a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. And it will produce tomorrow just like it will produce today if you will continue to allow the seed of the Word of God to be sown into your heart. Amen? Well, uh, I still think we're going to talk about harvesting on Sunday, but you 